Well, and I never look at other magazines as competition. It's just not my DNA. I can only be the best head I can be. I, I can't control my wife. I can't control my kids. Just be the best you you can be and let the competition, let them do whatever they want to do. I, I'm a firm believer in abundance. There's always room for somebody else to do a good job and it just makes the whole playing field better. So welcome to episode 98 of the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I speak with Ted Bainbridge of Build Magazine. And this was a great episode with Ted. You know, Ted has a ton of experience in marketing. He has a ton of experience in networking and sales and communication. And a lot of the conversation was about that sales process, right? As, you're start, as you think about meeting somebody, we're all in sales. It's a key part of every business and listening, you know, setting proper expectations. And even the promotion side, you know, speaking about what he's doing at Build Magazine to put this together to build relationships, to start in a new area, new territory, how he builds his sales channels, how he develops relationships, right? This is key that all of us can apply. He also is the host of his new podcast, which is Friends of Build Magazine. Amazing podcast. I All of you should go subscribe. He has some amazing guests. Build Magazine is in some of the top markets throughout the country, so his network is very vast. You'll love this episode with Ted. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. I'm Brad Levin, and today we have with us Mr. Ted Bainbridge. Welcome, Ted. I'm excited to be here, Brad. Yeah, we're excited to have you. You know, you're on the other side of the mic this time. Ted, you just started a podcast. You're also the president and founder of Build Magazine, which we'll dive into. So it's going to be a little bit easier, less stressful, right, when you're just being interviewed on this side. I don't know. I just, every time I'm with you, it's less stressful. It's just <laughs> fun. That is true. Ted and I have developed a great friendship, which we'll get into here, but... You know, to, to start this conversation, how did you get into publication? Well, I graduated from, I grew up in Toronto, played a little golf, went to school in Georgia, came back and it was snowing and I was sick and tired of snow. I hadn't seen it in four years. So we left Toronto, moved to Vancouver and I was working for a big multinational corporation and did fairly well after two and a half years. And they said, uh, I, I was asking for a career path and they said, well, we want you, you'd be perfect for the executive office. We want you to move to Chicago or Toronto. And I said, I quit. <laughs> I was, I was no in, more snow, no more yeah. snow. I was in Vancouver. It was great. Mm -hmm. And so my father-in-law was a partner with Deloitte and Touche and he had a client doing a publication. So we bought the rights to Western Canada and the U S and that's how it all started. And it's morphed and evolved. And I mean, that was 30 years ago. So you can't, you can't do anything without change. So, so, but this is interesting. So, you know, we, we speak a lot about the podcast connections, right? Life is about connections. It's connecting those dots. You know, the people you meet, it opened up doors and opportunities. So for you, it, you know, there's a relationship at Deloitte, right? One of the big yep. four yep. accounting firms. They had a client that's in print. And then with that client, you actually met with them. That introduction was made and now you build that relationship and now you're buying the rights to that territory. Correct. And, and that's how most of these big publications are. And was this in the construction industry or what was the publication itself? It was actually in the visitor industry. And we, we did that until, until actually this year and COVID for the most part wiped us out. We started Build Magazine in 2016 and our whole model was to target wealthy people building or renovating expensive homes. And we only wanted the A-list of people in the building trade. So none of the big box stores, none of the production builders. We just wanted the cream of the crop. And when I went to my builder, my wife and I built three homes in custom homes in Bend, Oregon, and now we're building one here in Scottsdale with you, which is great. And 
I went to him and I said, here's the concept. And he goes, Teddy, I love the idea, but how are you going to make sure you don't have any of the big box stores? And I said, simple, we're going to do it 100% by referral. I'm a golfer. I'd love to join Augusta. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. If you don't get the invite, you don't get included. So that was the premise. I, I love that strategy. And, and I will say it's a bit risky. When you're looking at building a company and it's straight referral, especially in print, right? It, it, it's a great idea. And I don't want to just say idea because you've executed this, which is extremely impressive, Ted, because there is the temptation, right? If you're developing this, there is still cost to the publication. Mm-hmm. There's time, there's commitments, right? There's production, all this stuff. And so it's easy. I would say it's easy for me outside looking in to say, well, maybe we need, do need to go to big box store. They're going to take a couple pages. How have you stayed true to just that, that mentality and the goal of the magazine to say, look, this is refer only. This is the cream of the crop. This is how we're going to build this thing. Part of it was dumb luck, honestly. <laughs> when we first started out, the first place I went to was my builder, Jim Yozamp at PacWest up in Bend. And so I, I shared with him the idea and I said, look, at, at this point, there's nothing to buy. I want to, I was doing market research, Brad. And so he loved the idea so much and he gave me referrals for about 10 different people that a lot of them I knew because they were involved in the last house we built. And then I went and had lunch with the gal who owns Sotheby's for the whole state of Oregon. Her name's Debbie Tebbs. I've known her for 20 years. She's a dear friend. And I said, I've got an idea. And I literally had it on my iPad. And I said, I want to create a magazine targeting the wealthy. And she goes, and I said, Debbie, there's nothing to buy. I literally want you to poke holes in this. And she goes, Ted, this is a great idea. She goes, where's your right card? I want to advertise. That's my clientele. And I said, no, you can't. She goes, what? I said, no. She goes, why not? I don't want any realtors. My buddy owns a Rolex store up there. He wants the back cover. I said, no. And we, by dumb luck, we made the decision early on. We were just going to stick to the vertical of anything involved in building a dream home. That's who, that's who the clientele would be. And six years later, now we're in Naples, Scottsdale, Jackson Hole, Hawaii, all these high-end areas. And it is the one defining fact. And people in our second year, there was a builder in Whitefish and he goes, Ted, what's your plan for year two? I love the magazine. You've done an incredible job. And I said, we're going to expand it. He goes, so you're going to add jewelry stores, plastic surgeons, cigars, jets. And we go, nope. And he goes, that's why I like what you guys do. And by, by honestly sticking to your guns, that's what's allowed us to grow in a, in a market that most people say is dwindling, being print. Bad print is dying. Good print, people love it. There is something unique for those listening that haven't seen your magazine, and we'll get into this later, especially as we dive into the marketing side. I mean, even you've created this box, right? This yeah. mailer that's just unbelievable. And we'll put some content here on our press release for people to see that. But what you've done with that is, is there's a feel to the magazine. And, and there is some truth to that, right? A lot of us have seen print media. And as you mentioned, it's filled with a lot of advertisements that yeah, they may be luxury brands. You know, you mentioned Rolex, you know, Russ Lines, South of the Beast. I mean, these are staples, right? Yep. But vertical construction, the construction industry, they're not staples of that. And although they're related in some ways, they're not construction. So when you're looking at putting a vendor in, referral's super important, but also how are you vetting them? Is Are you limiting, saying just architects, designers, builders, suppliers? I mean, how do you, you know, that net that you're casting how defined is that for who's going to be able to advertise? So we look at them and we really treat them like partners. And anything that goes into building the custom homes that you build, anything that goes into those, so appliances, uh, steel workers, windows, anything that goes into creating that dream, that's who we target. 
But if it's an insurance company, if it's a fringe player like a a chimney sweep, an accountant, lawyer, none of that, it just it doesn't fit. And so when people look at our magazines, because we've got all the best people in the industry, locally in the industry, they look at the photography and they go, this is stunning and I've never seen anything like it before. And we hear it, Brad, we are so humbled because we hear it all the time, everywhere we go. I love that. So talk me back as we rewind this a little bit from just your story here. You had mentioned, you know, you were in print media, but for the visitor, right? Tours. Correct. And this is in Canada, Western Canada, right? And the US. And the US. Yeah. And so what made you take that plunge to say, okay, we're, we're doing well. You know, we have, because I'm sure even before COVID, right? You had your demo, you're doing well, things yep. are working itself out. What makes you make that plunge and jump to say, okay, let's diversify a little bit and we're going to go into construction. What drew you into that? I guess it was just a mindset because I'm always open to looking at ideas and trying to figure out, is there, is that an actual business? Is that an actual idea? Which is why when we did the prototype, I've been a huge fan of Lux Magazine and and my wife and I, we've owned eight or nine houses. It's a combination of renovating them and it's a combination of building them from new. So we've been getting this magazine for 10 years and we just think it's beautiful. But I like to think that things are a little bit tighter and there's a certain design we were looking for. And once again, when we did the research, talking to Sotheby's, talking to my builder, talking to some of the other people in the trade, they all said, this is a great idea. And, and the the longer we've gone down this road, so now we're going into year seven, 83% of our clients buy from one year to the next. They love what we're doing. Now we've got these podcasts. Uh, you and I are going to hopefully next week uh, be able to do the pilot for a TV show. So it's a function of never turning off your brain and never going, you know what, that's good enough. Let's just keep milking the cow. No. You got to stay fit. Keep keep looking for new ideas, new ways to keep your uh, keep your partners interested. I love that you've taken that strategy because I was on a podcast re- recently with the Modern Craftsman. And the question was, you know, these other businesses that some of us may have, and the question is asked: Well, do you start a business to just strengthen the current business, or is it an opportunity? Right, and that's one. And and for me, I've always looked at well, there's an opportunity, right? And that's what you mentioned. It's you know construction. The Build Magazine was not started to supplement your visitor guide, no. right? Or your visitor travel. No. This is an opportunity you're passionate about where you say, hey, I can do this better. So a good example, you have Uber, right? You have the taxi industry. It's been working for generations. And Uber comes in and they say, look, we're not trying to reinvent the wheel, but we're going to do it better. We're going to, you know, we're going to make this more seamless. We're going to make it more feasible for people as they're traveling, right? And it's blown up. Same thing as you, where you look at something, you know, Lux, which has has their demographic and you know they're a great partner of ours as well but you say hey we can cater specifically to our client and not only are we going to do that not only are we going to now hit these different markets but additionally we're going to double down we're going to do the podcast we're going to do the TV show the video and so all these things bring value and really for us as contractors anybody's looking for value and that's where this is important because as print media has changed and we'll get into this this is where you're adding value in other ways too well and I never look at other magazines as competition. It's just not my DNA. I can only be the best head I can be. I, I can't control my wife. I can't control my kids. And I, and I talk to my team about this. Just be the best you you can be and let the, let the competition, let them do whatever they want to do. But there's always an, 
I, I'm a firm believer in abundance. There's always room for somebody else to do a good job, and it just makes the whole playing field better. It, you know, it's funny because Brian Harris, who I had early on, he was big on this, that he said there's the mentality of abundance and the mentality of scarcity, right? And the people, when you look at entrepreneurs, what makes them successful, what makes you successful, Ted, I know you well enough, they're positive people, right? Entrepreneurs are positive, and they look at things as being... Um, you know, there, there's not scarcity, right? They know, hey, I am who I am. I'm confident in my ability and I can go perform. And there's value to that. People see that, they're attracted to it. But that positivity is what carries you through because you and I both know, even as successful as Build Magazine has been now, I'm sure it wasn't perfect from day one. You know, there's bumps and bruises, yeah. there's challenges in publications. So speak to that as you encounter these difficult times. Hey, is this going to work? How do you continue to push through just with that entrepreneurship mentality? So we started in 2016, and it was just coming out of the Great Recession. So things are going along, and then all of a sudden COVID hits, and nobody knows what's going on. Last March, we didn't know if business was going to boom or if we were headed for another recession like we had back in 08. After two months, people go, oh, not only is it booming, it's like drinking from a fire hose. We got more business and we know what to do with. And our biggest problems now are su supply chain stuff. So you're not being able to deliver homes on time because you can't get appliances or, or steel or whatever. And it's just, even the consumer has come to accept, it's not Brad's fault. It's just the situation that we're in. And you just, you have to be flexible. And I think you just have to be a little bit patient to deal with the ups and downs. And I always tell people, Brands survive ups and downs in any economy. And most people, I had a conversation with a builder, and this is an incredible builder. They build magnificent stuff. And he goes, Ted, you know what? I don't think I'm going to renew this year. And I go, okay, well, why is that? He goes, uh, because I just, I can't quantify it. And I can't see the value of being in a magazine with 20 other builders. And I go, our clients, are they don't need any business right now. It's all about building their brand because I've got an incredible brand. We have already built a great brand. And I said, yeah. And you know another great brand is called a company named Apple. But they continue to market themselves. And the builder, he thought, and he goes, okay, fair enough. He goes, let's continue the discussion. <laughs> he goes, I'm not ready to commit. But he goes, okay, fair enough. And it's brands are, they. that's why brands can survive uh, change over as far as the president and CEO is concerned. That's why they can change through the board of directors. That's why they last a hundred years. When you've got a solid brand, you've got a solid brand. Yeah. It's really important point to make because as the economy and as we've changed our mentality with marketing, right? So when I look at this, social media is super valuable in a lot of ways, but it's not everything. And, and the reason I say that is because although it's allowed us to grow as a company, and gain exposure and, you know, vendor relationships and contractor relationships, right, that have bettered our business, it doesn't hit everyone. And the reason being is because I still have a lot of clients and a lot of potential clients that don't want anything to do with social media. They're not on there. They want to be off the grid, essentially, right? They don't want to be part of that for personal reasons, whatever it may be. And print media, it's important because you have to understand demographics and clientele that on LinkedIn, on Instagram, in print media. And for me, as someone who's building the brand and looking at that marketing structure, it's, it's really key because in construction, you deal with these ebbs and flows, right? We, I'm, I'm fairly young, but I've been through enough recessions, you know, through my childhood and now 
to see that it's not going to be like this forever. And right. at some point, we're going to have a correction. And when that does, the companies that have built the stability as far as systems and protocol, they've built branding. You know, if they can weather the storm, if they have, if they're prepared for it, when that storm comes, you know, and half of the contractors leave, well, that branding is now key because they've been consistent. And now when it comes out of the recession, they're poised and ready to take off. Branding also is security because when we go into a recession, people are a little bit more cautious with the money that they're going to spend. It's not that they're not going to spend money. They just want to make sure they can't take that risk of failure as easily as they could in good times. So what they want to do is they are willing to pay a little bit more when things are down because they want it done right and they want it done right the first time. That's what brand safety is all about. It's funny you say that because I sat in a conference, I've said this on the podcast a couple of times, but I was at the LinkedIn Global Conference and the comment was made that they said personal branding is permanent job security, but you think about that, branding is job security. Yeah. You know, the, the, the personal brand, the business brand, these weather storms, these are your connectors, right? And it, it, it's interesting as you partner and then Build Magazine has done a phenomenal job. And what's amazing to me is I've sat back and watched and just a little background, the way Ted and I met. So I'm part of a Builder 20 program and a Builder 20 I've spoken about this is, again, going back to social media, I was connected into this. A mentor of mine who's in the building industry pulled me aside and said, hey, Brad, you need to get part of a Builder 20, change our entire company, change my career. And at our event, we were in Whitefish, Montana. Yep. And here's Ted. Ted's there. He has a magazine there. You're there. You know, one of the builders in my group, we meet. And at this point, you had no presence in Scottsdale. Zero. None. I mean, yep. you came here, but you didn't have a magazine. And here I am from afar. I meet Ted at this function, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago. And then he decides to open up the Scottsdale market. And then quickly you have the top builders, the top architects, the top designers in town. And it's amazing to see what you've built. So talk about how that mentality is you, although Build Magazine had a, a name, but now you're going into a new market with essentially no connections. And now you're building this amazing little enterprise here. Yeah, interesting. I was taking the dogs for a walk this morning, oddly enough, with my wife. And I go, you know what, honey? It's kind of cool. We've been, the magazine's been out for eight months, seven months, whatever it is. And we've got some pretty cool friends here. And it's all been networked through what we're doing. In the comments, I did a podcast yesterday with Toting Sutton from SDS. And he's been around for I think he's owned it for 25 or 35 years. Yeah, he's a staple here in Scottsdale. Yeah, and he's and he's so well-respected, and they do such a great job. And I say 25 or 35, you'd think I'd know because I literally did the podcast and talked <laughs> to him yesterday. But it's funny because as our concern in coming into Scottsdale was, we were, we were into boutique high-end markets like Jackson Hole, Sun Valley, Park City, Whitefish, Bozeman, Bend. And then we went into Naples and that was kind of our first foray into a big city. Now Naples is 300,000, not 3 million. And then we come to Scottsdale, which we've had a place for 10 years, but it was, I never knew how to wrap my arms around a big city. It's easy. It's super, the building community is really small. And so when you start to talk to people and start to connect the dots and you were the first, well, you and John Gurley from Gurley Construction were the first two people we talked to. And then all of a sudden the door started to open up and it's not like they opened wide, wide open. Everybody didn't go, oh, Ted, you're a great guy. You know, if John or Brad. Oh, everyone's Gurley, hesitant to that, right? you know, that sales call, right? And they would look at what we do and they go, because we had street cred. And I don't even look at it that way because I'm too busy, you know, building a business. And 
they go, okay, you know what? What you're doing is spectacular. Nobody does it, not even close to what we're doing. And this black box idea came out of just a conversation with somebody in Jackson. And so now all of a sudden I deal with, you know, Jaffa Group up in Park City, which is part of your mm-hmm. team. I deal with Rob and Shane Woods at Woods Design in Santa Fe. Part and of my so group, yeah. Part of your group. And it was just connecting the dots. And, and if you follow through on what you say you're going to do, you can have long-term relationships. I always tell people, I don't want you for a year. I want you for a decade. It's just my DNA. Yeah, but that mentality, I mean, I think that's unique. That's very uncommon, right? In any market that you're looking not just, hey, at this deal, but you're looking at one that's two or three down the road. And a lot of times, I'll just apply this to the contractor mentality that we're not looking at the big picture, right? We're looking at the job. We're looking at maybe profit margin. We're looking at duration, labor, you know, supply chain. But we're not looking on how is this relationship going to continue on after this project. Well, maybe most don't, but you definitely do. <laughs> I've tried. I mean, know. I know you well enough. You <laughs> yeah. are a big picture guy, which takes you from working in your business to working on your business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to work on your business. And I, I know I've had pitfalls and I've had breakdowns in communication with clients and I've learned from those. The key is that we all learn from those. But yeah, seeing the big picture to realize, hey, this client may be doing this now, but five years down the road or 10 years down the road, they may have a career change or a pay raise or whatever it may be where how now they're ready to do secondary project and that good relationship can morph into something else or their friend now and and you can really build your business and 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 I've learned a lot from you Ted just watching you because you have this unique ability and this is really important for anyone in sales I'm in sales all of us are sales people and if we're not focusing on sales as business owners as entrepreneurs as co- contractors we're missing the mark and how we communicate and and what I mean by that, you have this unique ability where you're very persistent, but not overbearing, right? And, and you have to be. I mean, you're, you'll follow up and you'll follow up, but it's not like a nuisance. And you're very good as far as, hey, Brad, who is one of your favorite designers to work with? Who's one of your favorite architects, right? And you kind of pull this information and you go talk to him and make the intro, and that's how you've built this network. Yeah, it's a fun deal. Yeah. It's, I always tell people, I, even if you're a computer programmer, you're in sales. Even if you're an engineer, you're in sales. Why? Because you have to get a date. You have to get a job. You, you, have to, you have to sell yourself to somebody, even though you might not be the, the rainmaker out there going and getting the job site or getting the, the contract. You still, we all have to look at ourselves and go, okay, how can I communicate better? But see, everyone in your organization is this way, Ted. I mean, and, and your wife's this way, you know, Leslie's this way. So, What's really important, I think, where we miss the mark is the principal or CEO or the head of BD, business development for your company, your sales arm, may be good at that. But maybe your superintendent's not great at communication or your in-house framer's not. And that's what's really key is how do you get from the top level down to the bottom levels of the organization to teach them that, hey, you may just be out there framing or you may be out there superintendent. But you need to understand sales. You need to understand communication. You need to understand follow through and returning phone calls. So how do you, I mean, how do you, how have you seen that or how in all your experience working with different builders, architects, designers, what has made those separate and thrive? So is your question about when I look at the group of people that we deal with Mm -hmm. or within my organization? So within my organization, I tell my designers, my 
office staff, my production coordinator, and and Richard has been with me for 21 years, and he is incredible with the computer. He's incredible at sending emails, but he is deathly afraid. And if he was here, he'd tell you the same thing. He hates talking to people on the phone, and yet everybody loves him. But I just go, Richard, we all, it's about communication. It's not about sales. It's about staying in touch with people. Brad, I've seen you operate, and I told you on the golf course, I remember vividly, we're on the sixth hole at the Raven, and I said, how does anybody say no to you? (laughs) It's just impossible. You're such a nice guy. You're a good-looking guy. You're an athletic guy. You follow through on everything you do. Every conversation I've ever had with you has been true to your word, true to who you are. And that's the easiest thing. And so fortunately for us, we've got about 600 clients and they're all the best at what they do. And very few of them, maybe a handful, that's it, are full of themselves. They're all humble. They're not afraid to roll up their sleeves. They understand this is all the American dream. They understand that they came from nothing. I mean, you've told me the story that your grandfather was an electrician and that's how you shocked yourself into uh, (laughs) being a contractor. It is that blue collar, you know, growing up, that scarcity mentality, or not mentality, but just living in that and understanding, you know, how that can change, you know, through hard work and communication. But it's funny because I've made enough mistakes to not have an ego, I guess. <laughs> you know, that happens. I could, we could spend a whole podcast on all the mistakes I've made as a- But they're the funniest stories. They are. And I have a lot of those, but, <laughs> but, but one thing I'll say that's interesting is um, back to the communication. So I, I'm seeing this play out right now with the current customer of ours. We have- we did, there, there's a well-known client in Paradise Valley and, you know, he's uh, well-established and his wife, you know, she's one of the top realtors in town and, you know, great family and they're super professional. And, and really what they're looking for from a contractor is like someone that just communicates. They know things aren't going to be perfect. Things are, you know, supply chain, COVID, whatever, but answer the phone, like respond, right? And communicate. And and we were able to finish the project for them, and now they're working on some back-end stuff. You know, they had hired a landscaper and a pool company, and they're working through that. And they're becoming very frustrated because they're not getting return calls or texts and communication. They're missing that. And in fact, we had, he reached out to me today, and he said, hey, just a heads up, you know, you did this project eight months ago, but we had dug uh, a new sewer line for him because it was an ex- extensive project, and there was some settling in, in one corner of the driveway. And he had already contacted my super unbeknownst to me. I didn't even know about it. Honestly, when he texted me, he said, I talked to your super. He responded to me in five minutes. He's already taken care of it. And so he wasn't even upset that there's an issue because issues come up. Sure. But my superintendent was communicating and that's been a big goal of ours is I, you know, in our industry, I feel it's very low hanging fruit in with communication. <laughs> if, if, if you can communicate well as a contractor, if you respond to your clients, if you respond to your customers and your network and people... I, I can't say this enough, Ted, and this is why you've been a valuable inspiration, like mentor for me is people, a lot of us just resonate and we just stick to our culture. We just stick to our group. And the more you can network with other builders and other companies and other professional organizations and understand how they do business, you can take those little tidbits of information now and apply them to your own. Yeah, it's it's been fascinating. And you were the one who encouraged me to get into the podcast of which we've got three of them out there now. I think they're entertaining, but that's for... So explain the name of the podcast. So those listening, we're going to have that in the show notes, but so that they can look that up and start listening. Yeah, it's called Friends of Build Magazine. And we launched the first one with Brad Levitt, this guy from AFT Construction. You might've heard of him. And Brad's a total rock star. And I've 
I've networked Brad enough because I have so much admiration for you. And then we did one with an incredible interior designer, Klaus Bear, up at WRJ in Jackson Hole. We had one come out last week for, and this one was super funny. Our, our guest was, he was hilarious, an appliance um, owner of an appliance operation up in Salt Lake City, uh, Mountainland Design, Dan Devonport. He was so funny and the it was such an easy podcast. And when I listened to it, I just went, here's a guy who's just a regular guy, didn't come from anything, and now he's got an organization of 150 employees. And everybody that I know on his team absolutely love him. And he'll roll up the sleeves, he'll go drive trucks. Um, and then I'm not sure who we're releasing tomorrow, but every Thursday, thanks to you, we met Greg from Koi Koi, and he does an awesome job. And these things have become fun. And so now we've got, I think, 15 in the can that we'll release every week and we'll continue to do more. But getting back to your question, as I talk to these people, because your clients are millionaires and billionaires, a lot of the people that we deal with, they came from nothing. And I find, I find the people that came from something, it's harder to be given opportunity than it is to roll up your sleeves and just carve it out yourself. I'm a huge advocate of your biggest failures make your funniest stories. And if you look back on those, the things that fall into your, your, your hands or, you know, come easy to you, have no appreciation for them. I tell my kids the same thing is embrace the tough times. Don't go, oh, this totally sucks. Of course it does. But when you get through it, it's amazing how much better off you are. So our clients have taught us, and if you're willing to listen and be an active listener, it's amazing what you can learn from people. Uh, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. It's good. Two ears and one mouth. I mean, listening is something we missed. The communication, the listening, you know, understanding how to, to read your client and, and prospect. And I, I echo what you said about Greg. I mean, Greg's, he and I, he reached out, we became a partner some time back and he's been a phenomenal asset, right? And he's awesome. He's, he's done a great job. So for you now, Ted, with Build Magazine, like what is Build Magazine today? I mean, it's a lot different than it was in 2016. So how has that changed? Yeah. So it's been a really funny, interesting, enjoyable ride. So in 2016, we had an idea and today we've got 12 markets that we're adding another three or four this year being Palm Beach, Vail, Aspen, and Vegas. Last year, we direct mailed 85,000 magazines to people, high net worth, living homes over $3 million in certain zip codes, like the one here in Scottsdale, which was a home run. We direct mailed to people in Desert Mountain, Silver Leaf, DC Ranch, PV, the, the highbrow areas. And we got out of 85,000, we got 60 complaints. That was it. Wow. Yeah. So it was. And what are the complaints? Like, what would they complain about? Oh, I didn't subscribe to this. You're killing trees. I don't want oh. this. But 60 out of 85,000 is a nothing burger. So it's, it's been interesting. I've never had a product or been involved with a company with the growth trajectory of what we've got with people that are super, super, super successful. And they all have the same reaction. They look at it and they go, I would never throw this out. I want this on my coffee table. Now we're super excited to welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. 
And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra-contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So, For anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. It is a great magazine. And, you know, we're going to have published some stuff on what you're doing, especially as Black Box. So, you know, I'm always looking at ways, and I had Jeff Eccles on a while ago, and he had talked about that, you know, when you're building a brand and marketing strategy, you have what's called brand artifacts, right? And although we have, you know, the process and we have the communication, the ideal client, like these are really key to that successful business. But at the same time, you do need artifacts. And that may be a logo on a truck. It may be a handout you give to someone, a brochure. So when you think about the brand artifact that's just building that reputation, as you mentioned, is this goes into that black box. And so what this is a very professional, you know, you think like that, what you mentioned Apple, right? One yeah. of the things that draws to Apple is that first off, they, they're very precise, right? In the, even if you open their phone, how organized, right? Everything's yep. put together. Like that's really key for them. And Steve Jobs was, you know, it's famous for Yonat as engineer, right? That, hey, no one's going to see this. No, they are going to see this. They, they won't, but we, we do. Right. And it's it's demanding that level of quality and execution. And then if you're demanding it on that level, you're gonna demand it everywhere. And and that transparency to the client is what draws them in. And then the packaging, right? There's the quality, there's a feel, there's a weight to it, there's a packaging. There's something about that, right, that draw people in. You go to Louis Vuitton, my wife loves Louis Vuitton, <laughs> right? And then, not that we're an avid subscriber then, but I have been in there and I've seen how they present things, right? And how they package them. And there's something to be said about that. And that's what you're doing now with the black box. Yeah, it's it's amazing when you package something and the reaction we've got from this box. So just quick story on the history of it. We're in the oldest bar in Jackson, or sold. Sorry, the oldest bar in Wyoming is in Jackson Hole, and it's called the Million Dollar Cowboy Saloon. And this was last October, and we're having a beer with this guy, and he goes, "Hey, Ted, are you in the corporate executive offices?" And I go, "No." That's my wife and I, and and uh, this guy and his sister, and his sister works with us. And so as we're driving to Park City the next day, I'm talking to my wife and I go, huh, that was a really interesting question. Once again, trying to be curious enough to learn from people. That's another thing I I tell people. Be curious. You don't have to be a know-it-all. Nobody likes a know-it-all anyway. So just be curious enough to ask a bunch of questions. Well, I love that you said that. If I interrupt you, it's funny because the thing I reiterate to my team, like don't expect to know the answer. Just say, I don't know. I don't know. Ask the question. And and if you don't know what the electrician is doing, ask them, right? I, I, I will say, I echoed that out. A client come in and asked me something. I'm like, I don't know. And he said, I respect you more because you said you didn't know. So I tried to make something up, right? Right. So, so here we are, we're driving our motorhome down to Park City. And I said to my wife, I go, hmm, that was an interesting question. Because the reaction we get with our magazine is so 
uh, humbling. And I said, I think, and I started to add up the numbers. I go, we mailed out about 85,000 magazines. And I said, I rarely, because I'll see the complaints come in because I'm, I'm the one, I want the feed on our email. I said, I think we might have gotten, you know, maybe five a month, six a month, something like that. So I had my distribution gal pull the numbers the next day and she goes, we had 60 complaints out of 85,000. I go, hmm, that seems about right, but it's ridiculously low. So I go, why don't we create a box? And then I said, okay, but it can't be, you can't mail the CEOs of the Fortune 500 companies something in a plastic bag like you would get a normal subscription. It's got to have some sex appeal to it, like an Apple box. And this is us brainstorming as we're driving down. And then we start getting into the HGTV TV show, which we're going to hopefully execute <laughs> next week. Um, but... So that, that took us from that process, and then it was a couple of months later, and this is still percolating in my brain, but I, know, I don't know how to pull it off yet. And then I meet this guy who's a friend of, uh, a good friend of mine here playing golf, and he goes, I manufacture boxes, uh, Tyler with Premier. And I go, hey, man, this is my thought. Can you help me? And I, and I just, we had bought a lot in Scottsdale. The realtor had given us a beautiful bottle of champagne. It came in a gorgeous box. So you open it up and I'm, once again, my brain's going, okay, this would be perfect. And that's how we develop this thing. And then we're going to put a quote. So there on one side, there's a little note. When you open it up, there's a little note from me so that the CEO knows why he's getting this. And on the other side is a quote, which was going to be from Frank Lloyd Wright, because that's where we are, Tally S and Wes. And then Leslie and I are watching the Bay Hill Classic Golf Tournament in March. And there's a quote from Arnold Palmer that says, the road to success is always under construction. And I went, that's it. I literally, I go, that's the quote. And I and I need to steal that. I mean, being transparent, I need to steal. It's the best quote. I've never heard that. It's so good. You haven't? No. Oh. It's so good, though. It's a total it's fit, on, right? Especially for us. I know. So I, I had my, uh, the next day I phoned my copyright attorney and I go, look at do I need to cover myself because I want to use this quote, but I don't want to, with who I'm sending this to, there's no shortcuts. I just yeah. won't do it. And uh, they go, well, you should. And I go, should is close enough to, yeah, we will. And they go, well, we can get a hold of the Palmer Foundation. Obviously, he's dead. And so we got a hold of the Palmer Foundation. It took us a month. They came back and they said, they asked me a bunch of questions about me. And uh, they said, We'll give you permission. We really like the idea of what you're doing and yeah, have at it. And so here we got this quote from Arnold Palmer, That's which amazing. I think is great. I, even for this, you know, for those listening, I mean, you're thinking of this on very proprietary, you know, and, and not just a legal thing, but being respectful as well. And I never would have dawned on me, yeah, you put a quote in there that's not yours, but you're asking permission and going down the right yeah. channels to make sure that every base is covered. Yeah. And, and the Palmer Foundation will get a copy of this box because out of respect for them and I'm... I'm a golfer, obviously, but Arnold Palmer transcends everything. And everything he did was with a flair of class. I love that. That's, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and I'm going to post a little video about this box, but here's what's key now for those that are in the magazine, right? And this is really key for those of us thinking about our personal brand, personal marketing, especially in regard to print media is, and, and I'll give a quick example before I ask this question. I had a, a prospective client reach out. They weren't a fit for us for what they were doing. You know, the project wasn't really our wheelhouse. And, you know, they, they had asked for a couple of recommendations. I was giving them some and the feedback that came back to me a week later. And they said, hey, just an FYI, one of the ones you recommended, and they hadn't even called this person yet. They went on their website. They went on their Instagram and they're like misspelled words. 
you know, yep. a couple of photos weren't great. And they said, if they don't care enough to look at the detail of the spelling of what they're transcribing online and on their Instagram Such and a good point. website, then they're not going to be a fit for what we're looking for, for a builder. Such a good point. And I never thought of it that way, right? That how, you know, a lot of us are active, we're trying to get content out there, but we have to be very careful about making sure it's delivered in a professional manner because we're looking at the details. We're a detail company, right? That's what we should be. And so for you now, here's Build Magazine. You have this very professional magazine. It, it looks fantastic. You have the right people in it, the A-plus people. You have, you, you know, the flow, the paper. I mean, everything, right? You have the box, your sound CEOs. How much more important is it now for a builder who's advertising or an architect to be looking at their bio, to be looking at the text that they're sending you for a, if they're published, the yeah. photos they use? I mean, how key is that for them and how much pressure do you put on them to have to proofread that and, and have good photography? So that is just an awesome question. Two things. One is a buddy of mine and this guy built a company from his garage to 420 employees. They were doing $83 million a year in the radiator business. It's amazing. And I'm sure that you've got a bunch of these clients it's amazing how people can create wealth in this right. country. <laughs> it is. I have some clients that I'm like, man, I'm in the wrong business. Why did I think of that? It's true, right? <laughs> so, so he was looking through our Jackson Hole book two nights ago. He was over for dinner. And he's looking through it, Brad. And he goes, Teddy, he goes, some of these guys are incredible. And then he goes, and some of them are super average. <laughs> and he could just tell like not knowing, but looking at the quality of the photography. Images are absolutely everything. You've got to spend, you know, it's just like building a house. I always go to experts like you and I go, okay, Brad, here's my budget. Where should I spend money and where do I, it's, it would be a waste of money because nobody's going to see it. Mm-hmm. Photography for any business is critically important. They need to spend that because that's the sex appeal that gets people's attention. Another thing, I had a meeting with my web designer today, and he's just done an incredible job for us uh, over the past three and a half years. And we were talking about a lot of our clients, and we've started to kick back photos, Brad, of people. If they're not, uh, if they're not good photos, we'll just say, you know what, we're just, we're going to do you a disservice and hurt your brand as opposed to help you. And at the same time, we're going to hurt our own brand if we allow substandard stuff in the magazine. So we have become a lot more, uh, diligent, a lot more critical, and just want to make sure that if you or Gurley or somebody, because your photos are fantastic, we don't want somebody in there that's going to be marginal because it's not going to help your brand either. And so now we've started with our company uh, under Here and Now Media Group, we're going to help clients with their websites because you can't believe how many A-list businesses not not generally the architects or builders or interior designers, but the subs, their stuff is substandard. And so now all of a sudden, people will go from our website, which, you know, we pride ourselves on our professionalism, they'll click into theirs and there'll be a total disconnect. And it doesn't have to be that way. I love that you brought that up. I mean, photography is super key. And it's funny because as I go, th- I, I spend a lot of time on social media and as I go through, I, you know, I can see builders that are really good. And yet their photography's not good and the lighting's bad and the clarity's not good or there's, you know, something distracting. It's like, this is someone who could really take over social media if they only understood the power of what they have. They mm-hmm. just haven't understood how to present that in a professional way. Um, and to your point of the website is really key because 
although a website for some people is a landing page still, and it's an online resume, it's a working resume, right? And a lot of us, although we're spending time, and this is why this conversation is super important, because I know a lot of, as I network with builders and designers and architects, a lot of them are like, well, Brad, where should I focus my time? And they may focus on Instagram, or they may focus on YouTube. But it is important to be on all the platforms, even if you don't spend a ton of time, but there's different demographics. That's what we talk about, print media and build magazine, how key that is. And the website's key too, because the SEO, right? If you're blogging, if you have keywords, add keywords, you know, Google has their own app, My Business Google, that you can download, which is going to draw people again. You could post the same thing you post on Instagram, you put on the My Business Google app, that's drawn. And that's why it's super key that you have a good website that's running fairly quickly, where people aren't sitting there and it's just spinning forever. And then they get tired and they click out, right? Because the website isn't processing. So you have to understand all those elements, how quick it is, the photography on there and how they can move around between page to page. And and the biggest thing is formatting, right? It looks one thing on a desktop, it looks yeah. different on your phone. Yeah. And you have to make sure that that works between both. Well, and, and what you just said is incredible because you mentioned Google My Business, which is a pretty important and simple thing to do. We just literally, Adam and I were talking about that with Leslie this morning about we can help them with their Google My Business. And it's very simple, but if you're not in that, realm or I'm a contractor or, you know, I'm an iron worker. I don't, I don't know anything about the web and I hate the web and all this stuff. Ultimately, people are going to go to your website. They might not follow you on social media, but at some point they're going to go to their website because somebody's going to say, Brad Levitt's going to say, hey, you should check this guy out. And I go to their website and they're, and I even said this to you with a few people you referred me to. And it's like, <laughs> dude, their website is lousy. Yeah. And it's like, and, and you go, yeah, I know it is, but they do incredible work. Well, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Everything. harmonious. Are you A plus? Are you professional? Are you cream of the crop? Or are you not? Right. And, and I always laugh at people and they go, oh, well, you know what? Print doesn't work or, you know, I do all this or no, I do all that. It's like building a house. You, you have a foundation. There are certain things that you need and different components. You need bricks. You need foundation. You need windows. You need roofs. And it's not just one piece. And you can't take one piece out. If you're building a brand, there's a variety of things that go into. It's not just, well, I do everything with my website or I do everything on Facebook. No, it's a collective I love that you broke it down that way because as you listen to this, you could be into building science, you could be into net zero, and you can have the bones, the structure, fantastic. But if your painter and your trim carpenter suck, <laughs> right? Yeah. What people walk through, they're not going to see, you know, all the net zero, the ICF walls, the SIPS panels, whatever. You know, they're not going to see that. They're going to see the crappy paint, the crappy grout lines, you know, the tile that's not even. And that's the whole thing. It's the whole process there, right? And and that's why for a turnkey house, if you want it from foundation to completion. As a business, you have to look at it the same way. And this is why it's key what you're bringing up, Ted. And I love as, as we've gone down this conversation, because as you understand the value of your website, the value of that blog content yep. and WordPress, whatever you use on the back end, and then yep. you understand the value of the social media apps and the value of print media. Now they harmonize together. Now they're all working together. And my business, Google app, which most people don't even know or use, you can register your company through Google. You get the blue check through Google. All you have to do is register your company. You can put the same content and it's just driving eyes, thousands of months, your website, nothing to do with any of the other apps you're already doing. And it's amazing how few people do it. And no one uses it. I just sat down today with uh, a, a gentleman we had lunch that does irrigation. Last week I was with one of my cabinet vendors 
and none of them have heard of it. They've never used it. And I'm like, isn't that funny? It's right there. And these are people that are really active. They're looking to grow their presence, whether it be on LinkedIn or other app platforms. And they're out there. You just have to spend a little time. And it's not the time consumption. And, you know, but it's like you said, Ted, this, the core of this, what the core of success of Build Magazine is the relationships you build. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure I was going to ask you, I mean, you know, as you make these relationships where you learn the curiosity, you ask questions, how are you getting this traffic? How are you getting this clientele? Oh, here's this. And then you apply it, right? But it's not going to happen unless you're meeting people and asking those questions. Yeah. And, and I just find that there are so many people out there, like you just mentioned, and there are simple things that they could do that they don't do. I think part of it is they don't even know where to start. Just like me with the box, the box was sitting in my brain. I've had this idea about the TV show for a year and a half, and I thought it was going to be on YouTube, and then I thought it was going to be on HGTV, and now we're going to launch it on Instagram TV. And sometimes they come quickly, and sometimes they just sit there and they percolate and they fester, and, they, and all of a sudden something falls into your lap and you go, okay, now I've, now I've got the pieces of the puzzle, I can put it together. And I think that we're going to be able to help a lot of our clients if they want it, very cost effectively and, and easily to take over some of their intimidation of, well, I don't know anything about social media or I don't know anything about Google My Places or, or Google My Business. And it should be, an, I, I think it'll be a pretty exciting venue. Well, it's amazing because most people in print media, I mean, it's been a struggle, right? I mean, you think about a lot of them in print media have had their challenges and really they, um, you know, I don't know enough about their business to say, why or what people are doing, whereas you found tremendous success in yours. You know, you found success because you, you're very targeted, you're a good networker, you're a good communicator, and you've built this amazing product, which people want to have. So what do you enjoy most about the print media sector? What do you enjoy most about running Build Magazine? I'll tell you one thing that we learned with this magazine, Brad, is the power of no. Had I known the power of no, women would have been all over me in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but... But seriously, we tell more people no, no, it doesn't fit. How did you find us? So how do you do that? I got, because it is powerful to be able to say no and have the audacity to do that, or at least understand your magazine. But do you get, I would imagine you get pushback like, hey, Ted, I want to be in your magazine. No, Brad, you're not a fit. Right. Okay, well, why not? You know, or maybe how do you keep them from getting offended or just that pushback? I tell them the, the concept and the mandate of the magazine is to have the A-list of people in the trade. And you might be an up and coming person, but you're not there yet. And I say, you're just not there yet. I can see the direction that you're moving, but you just, your photography, your web, your website, uh, you haven't been referred by people or they'll say, you know, and I had one of my team members say a friend of his does all the insurance for the high end homes in Sun Valley. And he goes, and he wants to advertise. I said, no. He goes, why not? I mean, it's, it's money. It's, it's, and I said, and it would ruin our business. Our business would be gone tomorrow if we, start, if we compromised. I guess that's probably the easiest word is you can't compromise. You got to believe in what you're doing. I don't think Steve Jobs compromised ever. Right. And I think you just got to believe in what you're doing. Stay the course. Listen to people as they give you feedback and evaluate. Yeah, that makes sense or no, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's that's really good perspective, Ted. I mean, you think about that, that that ability to hold firm. And as you, I look at this as a business owner, as I'm interpreting what you're saying about being precise, not compromising, understanding your mantra there. Okay, as a builder, how do I do that? Well, I may have a client push back and say, hey, Brad, 
I want to hire my brother, this electrician, or I may not want an interior designer for my project, whatever it may be. They may have these certain requests and I already know this is our brand. This is our reputation. This is how, what makes a project successful. And the more I understand and define and dictate the parameters, which makes me successful as a company and as a brand and that SOP, the more I have that document and understand that I can now stay in my lane, right? I can understand that when the clients push it on me to do something outside of that, no, this is what's made us successful. This is what, you know, this is what deters us from success is when we go outside of that. Right. And so the more you're, you know, that confidence shows and you can do it in a way that's not detrimental to the person. You don't person have to be just, a jerk. Yeah. You don't have to be disparaging no. to them. Like you can do it in a way that's no, this is our parameter and you need to be in this box. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to be, be polite about it, but being firm about it. I think that people respect when you, like you said earlier, when you say, I don't know, but I'll, I'll find out. They have more respect for you because they don't feel like they're going to get snowed. Right. I'm going to give you the straight goods. You might not like it. And I understand that. You're probably not going to like what I'm going to say, but I'm giving you my perspective. And if you want a second opinion, totally cool. I encourage that. It's, it's funny because I, I, I learned that young in my career, I actually worked for a different builder. We we're working on this hotel. And, you know, there were quite a few of us superintendents because it was a big project and we all had our area that we were working on in the hotel. And one of our superintendents, he never had a notepad with him. He never had a notebook. And this is before we are now with phones and iPads and stuff. So he never has a notepad. And every time the supervisor or the owner or the architect would come out and say, hey, here's that punch list item we, you know, or here's this you need to do. He'd say, oh, I know, I know, I know. And he'd never write it down. And finally it got to the point where, you know, after the What do you repeat, get it done? He would never get it done because he's just like, I know, or hey, you need to check, you know, that, that paint line or whatever. Oh yeah, I know. And, and they were so frustrated because they're like, well, if you know all this, why isn't it done? Why am I telling you about it? Right. And you end up getting terminated and being let go. And, and, and it's to that point, Ted, that, you know, we have to be documented. We have to understand that we have to be descriptive and that follow through is key. Right. And if we don't know the answer, we don't know, but we still have to have defined parameters for, you know, to be successful. Yeah. So what do you do for fun? I golf and I travel. So we made a decision early on. My kids mean everything. And my wife, we've been married 33 years. We do everything together. And we've been to 50 states, 10 provinces in Canada. My wife's been to nine. My kids have been to 48 and 47 states, I believe. That's amazing we, you keep track of that too. Oh, we, we're just little nerds. I, we've been to 20 national parks. We've been to five continents. Uh, my kids studied abroad, my daughter in Bolivia for a year, and my our son went to Seoul, South Korea for a year of school. And our attitude from day one is, if you don't like my family or my wife or my kids, you're not going to like me, so we won't do any business. <laughs> because they went everywhere. Yeah. And consequently, the kids were always the focal point. So we love hockey, we love golf, and we love to travel. It's amazing. And I will say from a golf side, I played with you. And what's really frustrating playing Ted is he never misses the fairway and he pars every hole. So unless you're dead on, you're never going to beat him. Apparently you have got amnesia and you've gotten hit in the <laughs> head because I do make mistakes quite often. It's very rare. That's yeah. why he took, he almost won his guest member championship. But Ted is a phenomenal golfer. I will say he's fun to get out with, but you know, that's another key. One thing, you know, when you start thinking about you have hobbies, right? As an individual, you, you, vacation's important to you. Golf's important to you. Your family's important to you. 
And what I've seen is you've implemented those in your business and personal life and then also your connections. So when, when you're thinking about now in Scottsdale, you go out golfing and you're inviting vendors, you're inviting clients, yep. myself. And these are relationships that are continued to be fruitful and beneficial. And you're still you know, utilizing your hobbies and your interests, but then bringing others into that world. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for, I'm not, I, I, I love money, but money's not my driver. It's a byproduct of doing a good job. Uh, my family and my friends mean everything. We entertain a lot because I want people to be around. And my whole goal in life is I want to have fun. I want to have fun with the people around me. And if they're not fun, and I'm sure you're the same way with your clients, Brad, is you're going to have clients that you want to hang around with that become your friends after or during or before because I'll build you a house and I'll do a great job and it'll be an AFT house that you can be proud of. There's nothing worse than, than going into a house or cutting corners on anything just because I'm trying to make it fit in a budget. And all of a sudden, you're sitting there for the next five years looking at this part that you cheaped out on and you're annoyed with it every time as opposed to just sucking it up. Long after the, the check is cashed, now you've got the enjoyment or, or disenjoyment of, man, why did I do that? Why didn't we just do it right? Just do it right the first time. It's a lot easier to sleep at night, right? Oh, yeah. Through those relationships. But I love that you mentioned a couple things. You know, when you talked about your goal, and, and this is really key, I have a lot of builders and young entrepreneurs reach out and, you know, they ask me, okay, Brad, um, you know, for example, I'm trying to figure out growth, right? I want to grow my company. I want to grow my crew size. Or I may be purchasing the company from my parents. And so how do I start creating these systems? And I always ask them, well, what? But before you focus on the business, what is your goal? Like, what do you want to achieve? Are you looking, what's your definition of success? Do you want to travel? Do you want Great six question. weeks off a year? Do you want to be, make more money? Um, you know, do you want to have more time for activities like golf, like you mentioned, or other things? You have to understand as a business owner, what do I want in my personal life? And now the business will cater to that. And the reason I say that, because I know a guy, he's not married single guy and he just wants money and that's his pursuit. And yeah, he can run nine jobs. He has no staff. He's doing all himself, one man band, right? Or you could say, well, you know, I want to actually develop people and crews and I want to have them so that I have more time. I may make less because I'm paying more people now, sure. but I have the flexibility to travel. I have the flexibility of free time. So you have to understand what your goal in life is first and what you want to achieve. Now your business is set up to you know, to hit those goals and hit that perspective. Yeah, it's, it, it all depends on who you are. Like you, you mentioned that guy who's got, he sounds like he's got no life to me. I mean, if you- Works if, his life, yep. Yeah, and, and there's so much, we only have one life. And I guess it's, you know, who's your God or, or yep. what's, you, you don't want to be controlled by somebody else. You want to be controlled by yourself. I had a buddy of mine 20 years ago when we came down to the States, we immigrated from Canada and he, and he said, uh, he said, when you don't have any expectations of your friends, you're never disappointed. Right. And it's so true. It's, true. it's so true. Yeah. You know, people get disappointed because they have expectations and right. nobody ever meets them. Right. And it's like, why don't you just look in the mirror and be happy with you and then enjoy the people around you for their warts as well. I was, you know, as, as I do these podcasts and 
meet people like you, I realize that there's some pretty impressive people with some very impressive resumes. And at the end of the day, they all put their pants on the same way. (laughs) I met Jack Nicholas when I was 18 years old. I was a waiter in a really good restaurant in Toronto and he was there for the Canadian open and I was his waiter. It was in a private dining room and he was such a nice man. He was so courteous and he was in the, in the, uh, you know, the, the heart of his career and he was just a regular person. Yeah. And so many people are, and it's amazing. Is you, you, I, I love how you said, you know, if we don't have expectations for our friends or others, right, we can't be disappointed. It's true. And, and to that point, it just reminded me when I was a young, you know, hothead in my career, I was 25 working for a company. I remember the framer came in and he said, Brad, you get offended easily, don't you? And I was like, super offended. That he told me that. Right. And then it dawned were, on me. Were like, you really? I was. And then like later that night, I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, yeah, I'm offended because he just said, I get offended easy. Like, this is stupid. What am I doing here? And it really allowed me to make some corrections, right? Because I'm like, if I get offended easy, like, you know, or I'm sensitive or whatever it may be, I need to fix that, right? And so now at this point in my life, it's a lot different, right? It's, as you mentioned, you know, and part of this comes with relationships and networking and everything else running a company, but you, you, you tend to not be pushed with the winds of the sea, right? Yeah. You're a little bit more stable yeah. and your goal and mindset, you understand you know, relationships that problems can be worked through. You don't focus on the failures, you focus on the successes and, and there's different mindsets that do change. And so, but all that comes with time. I, there's a story and I'm going to share it only because it's such a funny, ridiculous story. But when I graduated from high school, I was not the, I was not the best student in the world. So I go to this university in Canada, which would be like Stanford. I mean, it was a pretty good university and I partied so hard. I mean, I had a blast, but in 10 classes, I got seven Fs, two Ds, and a C. And my kids teased me <laughs> about the fact that, Dad, you didn't get a 4.0, you got a 0.4. <laughs> and, then I, uh, and then I went to university. I went to Georgia Southern, and this is in the mid-'80s. And I drove down there because my grades were so bad. But I had a friend of mine who was playing on the PGA Tour, and he knew a bunch of coaches. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, you know what, I'd I'd like to give golf a try. And if I don't succeed, at least I don't have regrets looking back. So I get into, apply to 10 schools. My grades were so awful, I got into one. And uh, I had to drive down and do an interview. They said, you're in Toronto. You're, you know, you're a thousand miles away. Just send uh, send us a letter because we didn't have emails back then. They said, just send us an essay on why you think you ought to be approved. I go, no, you know what? If you're going to say no to me, you're going to say no to me to my face and I'm going to give it my best shot. So I drove down with my mom and I got down there and I'm sitting there with the Dean of Admissions and he lo- he was a big golfer and, he, and so I got along great with him. And I just, I sat down and I go, you know what? Driving down here, there were a lot of potholes in the road, and I could have turned around and gone back, didn't want to run the car, or I could have just taken a detour and got back on the road and, and come down. I said, that's basically my path for wanting to get into school. And so he goes, you know what, son? He goes, we'll take a chance. Sure enough, I graduated, got a degree in finance. That was it. And my kids go, dad, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> and I go, nope, that's how your dad got into school and got, you know, finished it because you have to look at failure. They, they do make the funniest stories. You have to laugh at yourself. That's the other thing is I, I really truly believe, Brad, that some people just take themselves too seriously. Get over yourself. You're going to break your nose. You're going to scrape your knees. You're going to fall on your face. And it's the people that get up, dust themselves off, 
and keep grinding away and keep working. It's like uh, my favorite expression is Nike. There is no finish line because there isn't. Retirement, what's that? Retirement is when you're dead. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger are still working and they're 90, there is no, like, just enjoy life. Don't try and look for the out card. It doesn't, it, it exists if you want it to, but just go and have some fun. Meet some new people. You could be 85 and still meet new people and have fun. I love that. I mean, the quote of the day, right? Life is a bunch of potholes, right? So. <laughs> Life is a bunch of potholes. <laughs> you know, don't focus on the failure though. And, and I will say Mark Candelari, who's here, he's always been big on that. Hey, don't focus on the on your failures because other people aren't, right? Right. So focus on those successes. So for you, Ted, you know, being that you're born in Toronto, I went to Georgia Southern. How's that, you know, do you have dual citizenship? You working through that? Became a U.S. citizen. I do have dual citizenship. I, I got to, you, you reminded me of one thing. So before I forget, you mentioned Mark, who's just a champion. I just think that that guy is so neat. Um, but I, I just look at perspective on life and I go, you know, 90% of the people don't care how you're doing and the 10 and the other 10% wish you were doing worse. <laughs> <laughs> so just be your own fan club. Yeah. Believe in yourself. Do what you love to do. And if you do, you're going to be successful at anything. Anyway, getting back to, uh, yeah, we, we immigrated here in 2001, became U.S. citizens three or four years ago. And America is where any knucklehead like me can achieve success because there is no class system. Not like if you go to Europe where it's hard to get from one class to the next. If you're always a bricklayer, that's what your family did. That's what you're going to do. America, if you come up with an idea, most of the successful people in this country, they started with nothing. Mm-hmm. And now look at them. That's yeah. how great this country is. Yeah, it's it's what you make of it, right? And a lot of that goes down to the frame of this conversation, right? Perspective, hard work, you know, just that networking. I mean, these are all keys to yeah. to building a secure livelihood and, and, and building that community. And Ted, you've been amazing. I mean, you've built an incredible network. You've built an amazing company, an amazing brand. Thanks. You know, so what's up kind of exciting for Build Magazine? Well, we want to get this TV show off the ground. Can yeah. you, do you think That's you can help? So, yes, which I will update you on. We will have that video. So for those of you listening, we will have some video content done on this incredible project. We, we've released like little snippets of the house, but to do the video with you, with our designer, so Kristen Porgioni from Lifestyle Co. And it's an amazing project. It's going to... It's going to be mind blown when this video is all done. So, so what the plan is? We just we're adding new markets this year. We are really developing what we can do holistically, not just in print, but the whole media uh, buzz for our clients, helping them out, like I was talking about with their websites and things like that. But also releasing these podcasts every week, every week, which have been amazing. And uh, we love you for giving us Greg from Koi Koi because he's a tremendous asset. And then I think the next thing that we're going to embark on is, like I said, this TV show, which we're super stoked to do the pilot and see where it goes from there. But the concept of it is to be in a 10 or $20 million home with the interior designer and builder or architect and builder, have the host uh, go through the home you know, for half an hour, get some ideas because these are homes that most normal people would never see. And I just think it would be a really exciting thing for people to see the cool technology and the cool new nuances. Like one thing that we're excited about is 
uh, and this is a very simple thing, but putting lights in drawers. So when you open the cutlery, the, the lights come on. I mean, I know it's not fancy, but it's just new ideas. So the TV show hopefully will explore things. And everybody we've talked to, all of our clients, when we share with them the idea, they love it. And now I'm just trying to figure out, which I don't know how to do yet, and if you know, Brad, great, but is to create a series so that people can go back to our website, buildmagazine.com, every week and get an update of what's going on in the construction of the feature home of the year and do one home in each market. So one in Park City, one in Jackson, one in Naples, one in Palm Beach, one in Scottsdale. Because I think people would be interested in that. Uh, yeah, you'd take off. I know a lot of YouTubers will use that process, you know, creating the episodes for yep. people to follow along. Great. So where can our listeners find you? They can find us at buildmagazine.com. Uh, we'd love them to go check our podcasts out on Spotify or Amazon or the normal podcast methods under uh, Friends of Build Magazine. They can follow us on Instagram at, at buildmags. And we just started a print Pinterest page, I was told by Adam this morning. Awesome. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, we'll have all that tagged, you know, in our social media and on our show notes. So Ted, can't thank you enough for making time today. Hey, Brad, thanks. And I'm looking forward to uh, the next journey with you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.